0: It means that cafes have to elevate the standards, we think. You've got to be more than just the coffee destination because the coffee can be done at home. And I think that actually is a wonderful opportunity, right, because it raises the bar for everybody. It means we've all got to strive to do better.
1: I think it's amazing sometimes how long people will wait for something good. I think that gets overshadowed sometimes when people want to take shortcuts. It's like people are willing to wait if they're going to get bang for buck
2: it is a different shift though where typically your monday and your friday would be your busy days you know people coming back in or people about to hit the weekend they're the quieter days now because people are doing the the four days from home
3: welcome back to the fifth wave podcast i'm jeffrey young editor-in-chief of coffee business magazine fifth wave so as you may or may not know i was actually born in sydney australia And last month, I boarded a plane back to my hometown for family reasons. And after two weeks in strict hotel quarantine, I set foot into the fresh air of my hometown, a city that had successfully blocked COVID. Cafes were open and thriving, and it seemed like the coffee landscape was getting back to normal. But while I was there, I took my microphone with me and spoke to three leading lights in the Sydney coffee community to explore how the market had been affected by COVID. The Australian coffee scene is very influential on the world stage. The trends that emerge in cafes here often crop up later in London, New York and many other parts of the globe. And so, in this episode, we're gonna give you a glimpse into the future. A glimpse into what the coffee landscape might look like once vaccination efforts bring herd immunity and how cafe owners should start preparing for a return to a new normality. We speak with Melinda Evans, Operations Manager for Becca Coffee an iconic Sydney coffee importer, roaster and wholesaler. We also touch base with Nick Ray, head of coffee for Toby's Estate in Sydney, one of Australia's largest specialty coffee roasters. But we're starting this episode by speaking with Jenny Willits, CEO of Seven Miles Coffee, a national coffee roaster. Jenny discusses two key trends in the Australian cafe market, the increase of at-home coffee consumption due to COVID, and how cafes must adapt to meet the needs of a more knowledgeable consumer. She also offers us insight into just how ferociously competitive the Australian roasted coffee market is, and she shares her concerns about the commoditization of the industry. I'm delighted to be here today with Jenny Willits, who's the CEO of Seven Miles Coffee. Welcome, Jenny.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: How would you describe the Sydney coffee scene at the moment?
0: I think the general vibe is one of optimism. Everybody still wants their coffee. Coffee has become even more essential. Coffee culture in Australia is, you know, it's just ingrained in who we are and our psyche and our DNA. And I think what's happened during these last 12 months has not just cemented it, but actually grown it, grown it even further.
3: What happened to the coffee at home market during and after COVID?
0: Yeah, look. COVID has totally accelerated that, as it has with many things actually. But one of the things that we've seen is obviously coffee at home is not so much about the instant coffee anymore. Actually, if you can have roasted beans at home and you can either use one of the fully automatic machines or you've got your own, you've spent a fortune on on a beautiful espresso machine, people are doing that yeah. like and they are a lot more educated and a lot more knowledgeable about how to create a great coffee at home than they've ever been and i think that what that means is When you go to a cafe, you're going to the cafe for a particular type of experience you now can't create at home. So it means that cafes have to elevate the standards, we think. You've got to be more than just the coffee destination because the coffee can be done at home. And I think that actually is a wonderful opportunity, right, because it raises the bar for everybody. It means we've all got to strive to do better. We've all got to strive to find new ways of talking about coffee, of experiencing coffee, making sure that your food menu really complements that, and I think you're seeing an elevation also in in food menus in cafes as well. If people are spending so much more time at home and, again, they're spending more time maybe cooking and they're spending more time doing those things, actually, again, when you're going out, you want a more heightened experience.
3: How would you summarise the impact of COVID on the Sydney cafe scene?
0: Some of the negative impact was obviously a lot of cafe closures, but those businesses that were well run had good cash flow, (laughs) they are the ones that actually are really thriving aside from those in the cbd where that nothing it doesn't matter how good your cash flow was that was going to be a problem but you're really seeing really good quality cafe operators technology has been a huge positive impact of covid because again it's accelerated things like skip the queue uber eats and things like that where people are using those delivery devices but you know it's the things like cashless now you know that again It's gone from people needing to feel like they have to have cash in their wallet. You actually have to ask, do you take cash? It's like, wow. So I think technology has certainly been accelerated and is here to stay. I mean, like a lot of the order at table apps as well, you know, so people now can sit down, they can have their, you know, order from their table. That encourages them to stay and to order another coffee. You're really seeing actually everybody kind of going, what more can I do? What greater experience can I bring to, to what I'm doing when I'm serving my customers? I think the other impact, coffee is so inherently in the Australian psyche. When we went back to those very dark days, like the Australian need for coffee is an essential service as an essential requirement to actually get through the day. That moment of connection at your cafe, with your barista, with the local community, even though you might be at 1.5 metres apart, was a really important connector of building community and people feeling a greater connection to their community. So I think COVID's had a massively positive impact on that. I mean, I think of my own local community in West Pimble. I mean, it is such a thriving hub And people know each other, and they probably know each other more than we would have done 12 months ago because you've got more people coming in and out of those shops.
3: So what do you think the traits of a winning cafe concept are in light of the changes brought about by the pandemic?
0: I think the winning concepts are a lot of those cafes in the suburban areas that at first kind of went, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do, then suddenly realised that they were becoming these community hubs, these points of connection so a lot of the winning, I suppose, concepts have come around how the food offering has improved. Again, it goes back to this thought of "I'm more than just the cafe that I was." I am a place, I, I'm a destination. The experience has got to be really good. I've got to have a great food offering. I've got to be able to do delivery now. I need to have my technology enabled. I need to also think about other revenue sources. So, so many of our cafe partners are opening now in the evenings yep. and they're becoming wine bars, yep. again, in their little communities yep. and they're, they're really becoming, I suppose, these little epicenters yep. of connection
3: so what are the biggest challenges for specialty coffee roasters at the moment? What keeps you awake at night?
0: I was in Canberra yesterday and I was talking to one of our reps down there and she was explaining one of the deals that had been put across the counter at one of our customers from a specialty coffee roaster competitor and I was shocked and I kind of go I think there there has been a lot of pain actually for a lot of roasters where maybe there has been overextension of what they've done and the only way to generate any kind of um, momentum again, is to get the volume in, to get their production facilities back up to capacity. But I actually thought we had kind of got through that phase because that was certainly what happened to begin with and everybody was in it together. But now I'd kind of be expecting that we shouldn't need to be doing those kind of deals where you're kind of going, that's just, it's not sustainable because Cafe Operator That roaster might be giving you that price, but at the end of the day, in about six months' time, how do you know that that quality of the coffee is going to be as consistent? Who's going to be servicing you and looking after you? Who's going to be doing your training? Because if they're giving you that price, guarantee they have to cut costs in other areas. And that's where the short-termism is the thing that probably keeps me awake at night. The scary things for me are this race to the bottom, this kind of idea that... Specialty coffee can be commoditized because of the cutthroatness of the industry and this desire that we have this quality product sold at a cheaper price. And I think I get upset about it because I kind of go, we're in this fortunate position that we work in this industry, in this category that people want, right? People don't say they just desire coffee. They say they need it. So Why would we be cutting corners and cutting costs and trying to strip out all of that and sell it at a cheaper price when actually our job is to educate the consumer to understand the price of what's in the cup? And I think there's the opportunity, right? We have got a more educated consumer at home, but we've also got a more educated consumer on the street level where they can access good coffee. And, you know, like the Coles $1 coffee, it tastes fine, tastes good. And you've got it in a really quick format. And for that need, it's fantastic. But again, you kind of go, we've got a job as an industry to educate consumers about what does that $1 coffee do? None of that goes back to the farmer. And that $1 coffee is actually just about getting people into that store to purchase other items. It's a loss leader. But people don't know that. that. They don't see it like that. So we have a job as an industry, I think, to really keep reminding people on the complexity of the supply chain, what it means all the way down, right down to the farmer. Because if the farmer is pulling out the bushes because they're not able to sell at a decent price, then we all lose out. So what we have introduced is actually a growth guarantee. So we're saying we will help you grow your coffee kilos in a year and we'll do that because of several things. One, the long-term viability of our own business. We've been around for 50-plus years. Words like stability, dependability, reliability, consistency, boring words, probably the most sexy words you've got right now. Training, absolutely. Making sure that you are being trained, that your baristas are trained constantly, that we are looking at the new and latest technologies to enable you to grow, to help your workflow process, all of those things, and making sure that, again, our brand is strong as well to enable that kind of foot traffic reassurance that, you know, if the seven miles business is known, that's going to help a cafe owner too. And then feedback. Right. So testimonials, mm-hmm. we always do an annual survey anyway, but we're using that annual survey to actually reassure new cafe partners coming on board of the success that they've had as a result of working with us mm-hmm. and actually creating something that is more than just the coffee in the cup and the coffee in the bag. It's about the relationship in which we strike. And we've always been a relationship business. We've always believed that we don't just sell coffee, we sell the relationship. And that's really, really critical. And that actually helps us maintain a price that isn't gonna cut and reduce our margins, which then reduces the rest of the supply chain's margin.
3: Thanks so much, Jenny. Can't thank you enough for your time.
0: No worries. Thank
3: you. Next up, we speak with Nick Ray, head of coffee in Sydney for Toby's Estate, one of Australia's largest specialty coffee roasters. Nick's seen the Sydney coffee scene develop enormously over the last decade. And in this conversation, as well as exploring how the pandemic has affected cafe volumes, Nick tells us about some of the new trends in the Sydney coffee scene, including frozen coffee and the rising popularity of almond milk. really excited to be here with you today, Nick. Welcome. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got into coffee.
1: Ah, uh, Yes, yeah, so I got into coffee, sort of just found my feet in hospitality and wasn't really a studying type. Yeah, I started working with Toby's at a cafe. That's probably 12 years ago. The so head barista there was one of the OG baristas of Toby's from back in the day and he sort of showed me all the skills and everything I needed to know. We're doing like Hundred plus kilos a week so it's very exciting and challenging I think I always remember the first time Toby Smith walked into our cafe and it's I think when you have those experiences it's just like an awe you're just like wow it's Toby Smith from Toby's estate oh my god and then so you just like make sure everything's perfect and you give him an espresso and you just sort of stand there waiting to see if he liked it or not yeah and you met all the guys and you do a grocery tour and it just blows you away uh, and then the opportunity come to work in the cafe and so I grabbed that and then was just super keen and eager and jumped into it. So you've progressed a long,
3: long way since joining as a barista. Now you're head of coffee. So how would you describe the Sydney coffee scene at the moment?
1: I think definitely in Sydney, it's a combination of optimistic and positivity. Yeah. Uh, I think when COVID hit, the city was decimated. Everyone was working from home. And so All the operators in the city just their kilos overnight went from 100 or 200 a week to 6 or 12. It It was unbelievable. But what we found was is the suburbs just went crazy. People didn't stop drinking coffee. They just drank it in a different spot. And so I think the goal for us was trying to help the suburbs maintain that volume and then slowly as the city comes back which we're finding now, the city's well and truly on the way back, yeah. So I think some of our bigger accounts in the city, uh, we're reporting back anywhere between 80 to 90% of pre-COVID volumes. So the city's well and truly coming back.
3: And what about the suburbs? What kind of increase did they see in terms of volume?
1: I think we we're talking at least they'll increase by 20, 30% at least. Wow. So they were, like, they were like accounts doing 18 to 24 kilos, we're doing 36, 40 kilos.
3: So I've heard Toby's estate is now offering frozen coffee. Tell us about that.
1: Obviously, every coffee roaster is at the top, the pointy end with their knowledge and what they want to achieve. And the hard part is bringing that pointy end and filtering it down to the general consumer because the more they get involved and the more they understand, like it all comes back to how much you charge for coffee and how we can get better pricing for farmers, like it, it all trickles down. And so when we're asking the consumer to buy a $200 a kilo coffee, you don't want to have a bad experience and you don't want to throw it away because it ages too quickly. And so part of this freezing space is that we can offer you this really high-end, top-end coffee and we can control the experience because the coffee will peak and then it will sit in your freezer and stay at that peak level for like up to 12 to 18 months. So then whenever you pull it out, it's peaking and you can have that replicate that same experience For 12 to 18 months. And so you're not going to throw away your money by buying these expensive coffees. So, what are your
3: cafe partners asking of you at this point in time?
1: I think a big thing through the pandemic was obviously cash flow. So, I know that as a business, the way that they extended credit was to make sure that people felt the support. There was no pressure on them to pay us right now. And I think from a coffee point of view, they just want diversity, they need things to excite the market. And so we've really focused on bringing products to the market that can help them sell more coffee, make their accounts more exciting. So in December, we launched our first what we call like a flavor-focused blend and it was called Butterscotch Pudding. And so we made these coffees to be paired with milk specifically. And so our first release was Butterscotch Pudding, which we were super happy with. It did really well. And so we're two weeks from our next release which is called Watermelon Cake. So we've got some super interesting coffees going into that. I think the tasting notes are Watermelon Cake, Rose Petals, and I think we've got Mango Nectar and a few other ones like that. Like it's super interesting. So we really want to drive that easy-to-understand flavour forward and making sure it's paired with milk. So the majority of our cafe's customers are milk drinkers. So we want to have beverages for the people that are mostly drinking our coffee. I think the coffee scene in Australia is very milk-driven. I think alternative milks are starting to have an an impact for sure. Let's talk about the alternative milk
3: trend. What types of alternative milks are growing in popularity?
1: Obviously, soy was huge for such a long time, and Bonsoy had such a good product and therefore controlled the market because their product was so good. And then oat milk sort of probably 18 months ago really got a spike, and people were really excited about oat milk.
3: Do you see the... The popularity of oat milk continuing
1: it's shifting so almond milk is i worked in the cafe the other day just for a couple hours and we did stacks of almond milk and so i think almond milk's definitely on the way because i think almond has a nice role to play with coffee the flavor isn't super intrusive you get a nice balance between the coffee and the milk and if the supplier of the milk gets it right it, it can be quite delicious
3: we talked about some really stonking cafes where they're really pumping out over a hundred kilos of coffee a week. What makes these cafes so successful?
1: When you've been working in coffee for a long time and you walk into a cafe, you can just close your eyes and listen to the noises yeah. and you know whether that coffee's on point or whether it's not. And just by the way the people are talking, how they're talking, the noises of the coffee machine and all that sort of stuff. It's like when you go to a pub, it's, if you yeah. go to a really quiet pub, yeah. you're like, hmm, Should I get dinner here? Probably not if there's not many people. But if it's full and everyone's eating and the vibe's amazing, you're like, you know what? I might hang out and get something to eat.
3: So how does the magic get created?
1: I think, one, you need to have a really good product, first and foremost. But definitely the staff. It's the vibe. It's the way that they interact with the customers. Like I think we talk a lot about, you know, if someone's going to come and spend $5, why should they spend that $5 with you versus the guy next door? It's that customer service. It's that when they walk in the door, they feel comfortable. The understanding whether you want to have a chat today or you don't want to have a chat today. That person that's on the register or the person that's greeting the the customer that walks in is understanding and reading the room. And I think those are the things. And then if your product's amazing, there's, there's no reason why they wouldn't come back. And then word starts to spread. And then I think it's amazing sometimes how long people will wait for something good. I think that gets overshadowed sometimes when people want to take shortcuts. It's like people are willing to wait if they're going to get bang for buck. And I think that's when these cafes that do it right, everyone knows, and that's word spreads. Best coffee I've had. You have to go there. The vibe's amazing. And then that's where everything else, the trickle-on effect from that.
3: Now, this is a global podcast, and some people may not have visited Sydney and Melbourne. In Aussie culture, there's a, there's a big point of debate. Which city has the better coffee scene, Sydney or Melbourne? How would you describe the difference between the two?
1: If I could choose to have a breakfast anywhere in the world for the rest of my life, it'd be in Melbourne, that's for sure. But Sydney, I don't know, personally what I love about Sydney is it's a bit grungier, it's a bit more hustle and bustle, and that's what I love about Sydney. You go in and people want their coffee, they want it quick and they want it done well.
3: Wonderful. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Established in 2005 by Paul Gezos, Mecca has become a Sydney institution, pioneering more equitable and transparent relationships with coffee farmers, while building a thriving wholesale business. In this conversation, Melinda highlights the trends impacting Mecca's business and how it is putting its sustainability promises into action. I'm here with Melinda Evans, Operation Manager at Mecca Coffee in Sydney. Hi Melinda.
2: Hi, how are you?
3: So how did COVID unfold for you guys?
2: All of the staff decided to step down to four days a week just to sort of encourage sort of saving within the business. But then we found a massive shift to online purchasing. We saw a six-fold increase in business. And, you know, we were fielding more emails about, you know, how do I brew this, recipes, recommendations. So it was a new way for us to engage with consumers.
3: And so where is the business now?
2: Things are going really well. I would say our wholesale business probably hasn't fully returned to where it was. We were reliant on different cafes that were using our stock and some of them weren't able to pull through, but we have seen an increase lately in wholesale inquiries. So now in Sydney, we're seeing people are starting to reopen or open new businesses, things that had been planned for 2020 coming to the forefront now, and people are excited to get back into it. Yeah, our online store has steadied after all that growth, but is still sitting at that increased rate from where it was previously.
3: How did the King Street Cafe in the Central Business District fare?
2: King Street definitely felt the brunt being in the CBD, but yeah, the team there now is seeing people more and more returning. It is a different shift though, where typically your Monday and your Friday would be your busy days, you know, people coming back in or people about to hit the weekend. They're the quieter days now because people are doing the, the four days from home So it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the the prime days in the CBD.
3: So what about staff? Easy to find staff at the moment? Hard to find staff?
2: Staff is a funny one. So we we never have really struggled to find staff, but something we have found um, post-COVID is people have realised they want a better work-life balance and that it is possible. So in terms of staffing the cafe, we've found a lot of our team do just want to do four days. They don't want to be at work five days. They want more flexibility. I've even found myself, I'll work from home occasionally a little bit more than I previously would have. I think, yeah, we've all just seen it is nice to be able to chuck a load of washing on while you're sending off emails and being really aware of like health, whether it be physical health or mental well being. I think we're all a lot more conscious of encouraging, you know, if someone isn't well in any sense of the word take the time off. I think a lot of people used to push through, which can present a challenge in a casual employment setting. Um, You might not always have people who are there and ready and sick leave may not be available, et cetera, but we're just doing what we can.
3: So the future of coffee, if you were starting a coffee shop in Sydney right now, what are the big opportunities and what would you have to do to be successful?
2: I think if I was going out there, opening my own place, I would be looking at places Away from the CBD, I would be looking at those almost suburban, just local spots. Somewhere near a, a primary school <laughs> seems to okay. seems to be the big winner for foot traffic. But yeah, building that loyal customer base. We have stores um, on the South Coast and in the Southern Highlands, and they were the places that were able to thrive. It, it does come from a strong business model. Those stores reflect our same ethical standpoints. They're places that promote like a farm-to-table style or... Strong environmental, ethical processes.
3: Tell me about that. What sort of environmental initiatives have you put in place?
2: Sustainability and just ethical procurement of coffee was fundamental in Paul starting this business. He wanted to be able to know where this coffee was coming from and be able to tell that story and share it with the consumer. There's a lot of corruption and issues within the coffee world and he wanted to really spearhead like some change for that, especially you know in Sydney but even across Australia. And so his relationships with farmers is of the utmost importance. And when we work with importers, they're people who share those same values and are very transparent in their procurement. But then it comes down to little things. We've switched to using soft plastics, recyclable coffee bags. The the 250 gram and the kilo and three kilo bags are all recyclable with soft plastics. And then even the way we ship coffee, uh, we use compostable mailers for sending everything out instead of sending, you know, more plastics out into the world. We do use cardboard boxes for bigger orders, but, yeah, yeah. We, we move to the compostable shippers just to try and minimise
4: yeah.
2: our impact. And then, yeah, in terms of the cafe, we use a lot of local suppliers, people who share the same beliefs that we do. Paul is really into community, so, you know, our pastries come from local pastry suppliers. We use the the local bakeries for our bread. Yeah, it's... It's about community and it's just about, we have a sense of responsibility and we're in a position to lead that charge. I do think it is becoming more and more important. People are ready to question if you're not doing these sort of things. Before we sort of had those bags, you know, you would get contact from people even as much as once or twice a week, just sort of asking about the steps you were taking. Yeah, because people are becoming more ethically conscious. Like we're in a climate crisis. It's all the little things that we do and the coffee world is so huge and can and does have such an impact. It's like why we, we should be leading this charge, but it should be across the board. We're trying to do our part here at Mecca, but we'd love to see everyone get on board with these sort of practices.
3: Well, thanks, Melinda. It was great to have you here. Thank you. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to The Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. And also, get in touch and tell us what topics are ever so important to you so we can make this podcast more relevant to you and to your business. You can follow the links in the show notes to the slash fifth wave. This episode was recorded at the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Productions and Sound Engineering by Chris Brister. Have a great week and until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated. And now we'll leave you with a real treat from Aussie artist Holiday Sidewinder. This is Whispers in collaboration with The Coffee Music Project.